On today's episode of My Wax Museum, Paige teaches me all about Maine and how beautiful her home state is. Paige also talks about following her dreams in a way that will uplift those she comes in contact with. She's a bright spirit, and I wish you could have all taken the time to get to know her as I did. What you can do, though, is find five minutes today to listen to someone around you, learn about them, hear from them, and come to appreciate them just a little more. With that, let's jump into my conversation with Paige Damboys. I'm going to welcome you now to my wax museum. Welcome to my wax museum, Paige uh, Dambois, I'm going to say. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, or Damboys uh, is how we say your last name. Uh, in American. In American, <laughs> uh, which is pretty sweet last name i enjoy it we got it yeah we got to give you credit um good job Paige's yeah, dad thanks dad um so okay so so how do we know each other so i met you a couple weeks ago a couple months ago yeah it was a couple months ago <laughs> yeah. uh, we're both at college brigham Young university idaho mm-hmm. we are in our same church congregation and we were assigned together for family home evening groups yeah which is every monday night we get together and we hang out. Interesting things. Yeah. Isn't that... Okay. I just want to make a quick comment how interesting it is that we're, we were basically assigned to be friends. When you put it like that. <laughs> I mean, that's how it is. That's not the truth. I, that is the truth. It is the truth. But we are friends. We are friends now and I'm grateful for Ex- it. Exactly. So thankful for whoever assigned us. Yeah. I guess. Uh, thanks, Micah. Uh, I think it was maybe Micah, I don't know, or Bishop Rick, but, uh, yeah, so that's how we know each other and, and it's been a gay old time. We've been enjoying it. And so where are you from though? I am from the beautiful state of Maine. To which I have never been. Really? Yeah. So tell me about Maine. Okay. Well, first of all, it's very sad that you've never been there. I, I feel pretty bummed about it. Yeah. I got to admit, because I have heard good things. It is very good. Um, well, I usually around here when I say I'm from Maine, usually I'll say Maine or New England. And then yeah. people ask me, oh, where's your accent? Completely misunderstanding the concept of New England. Y- yeah, I, I know I thought New England was a state. Really? For the longest time. I think it was probably a couple of years ago that I realized it's, what, six states, is it? Uh, yeah, Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. Okay. And I think I'm forgetting one, but yeah. Sorry to the one that we forgot. <laughs> Sorry for the one I forgot. I'm a bad New Englander. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't realize that. Really, until... I've never heard someone think of it as a state. That's the first. No, yeah, I think <laughs> I think actually most people that I grew up with probably. I'm also not from the U.S. at all, so you know, That's not, okay. hashtag not my country. <laughs> um, but I'm enjoying being here and meeting Great. all of these new people. So, um, so you love Maine. I do. Um, and you say it's beautiful. Why? What makes it beautiful? Okay. There are a lot of things that make it beautiful. Um, what really makes it unique and beautiful is the pine trees. Okay. And they're different from the pine trees out here. They're a lot taller hmm. and more bristly. Piney. More bristly you and piney. Pine bristles, you know. I don't know the correct term for it. So kind of... They're less Christmas tree-like. Okay. Interesting. And more... Hmm. No, I want to say flowered, but that'll get the wrong impression. 
Um, You're describing, like, to me, this sounds like an alien planet, and it sounds like the most beautiful world. So, it is. Uh, so how... Okay, are they the... They're the really tall ones? Or are they skinnier? They're... Like that kind um, of pine tree? They are tall, skinny pine trees. Tall, skinny they pine trees. usually sway. Usually around 100, 150 feet. Really? Um, in some parts, yeah. Or maybe I'm overestimating that. I'm thinking of the ones in my backyard. Maybe, but it sounds cool. It, it is very cool. It makes you feel very small. Uh, but I enjoy that sometimes. Really? In that aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes you feel like you're kind of hidden from everything else. Interesting. And I really enjoy that. And um, there's a lot of humidity there. So with the trees, um, obviously they're pine trees and the smell is amazing. Really? Uh, Burberry Cologne um, actually has a campaign for Maine pine scent, which really? is very interesting. So I'm grateful to live in that state. Yeah. It constantly because smells it good. Smells <laughs> like that all the time. So I need to go to a department store, just go to Maine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> go to Maine, take a walk through the forest. <laughs> You'll be a be ready smelling great <laughs> oh yeah um what else another thing equally as beautiful is the ocean okay which i have never seen oh really so tell me about the ocean um, i've never seen the atlantic oh yeah the northeast northeast atlantic um it's very beautiful very cold um the smell also maine is a very aromatic state really <laughs> very with the pine and then the sea salt yeah um, so when i have a favorite beach called land's end on bailey's island about 30 minutes away from my house and um when i go there there's a forest well maine is completely forest so yeah obviously it's all a forest but it's right on the edge so you kind of get the combination and um it's just beautiful in general and um you have kind of rocky cliffs which um, make it beautiful. And um, I just really enjoy the shades during the mm. summer and the winter. Uh, in the summer, it's, you got the regular green of like the regular tree leaves and the yeah. grass. And then you have the ocean blue, uh, which does change color in the seasons, which is pretty interesting. Hmm. The more colder it gets, the kind of more darker it gets. Which yeah. Is pretty logical, but you know. Um, and yeah, no, it's all overall just very beautiful. And then you have the um, New England architecture, um, a lot of old church buildings hmm. um, from like Pilgrim's time and stuff like that, which adds to the beauty. And it's all just very unique beauty. And um, as I've grown on, older, I've realized, you know, why it's called the vacation state or vacation land. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, there's no place like it. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, I've heard, I mean, Vermont is probably the one I've heard yeah. the most about. Um, but the, it just sounds gorgeous over yeah. there. And I mean, and the smells too. Yeah, and every season is something brand new. So anytime you go, it's going to be different and equally beautiful. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, now I want to go to Maine <laughs> and we're only seven minutes into the podcast. <laughs> there so you go. thanks a lot. You're welcome. Um, so... So growing up in Maine, what what makes it different? Like, what was it like growing up there? Well, growing up, I felt like it was completely normal. Not to say that it's not normal, but mm-hmm. it's definitely different. Um, I've kind of realized more lately the words I've been trying to describe it with. Maine is... Um, a lot of people may realize a retiree state. Okay. So there are a lot more older folk uh, and it is a wonderful place to retire i'm even thinking of it not biased at all though yeah of course. yeah um it's very unique in the sense that um 
the schools are kind of on the smaller side. Okay. I've talked to people out here a lot, and they're talking about graduating classes of like 200, 300. I graduated with a class of 96. Holy cow. Yeah. So I can I come from a very small town, but fun fact, Stephen King graduated from my same high school. Did he So really? I have that going for me. That's pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. And so, okay, so small town in Maine. Very, yes. How many people would you say? I would say um, a couple thousand, um, but I do know um, there are much smaller towns in my state, a couple oh, hundred people. Totally. So yeah. did you share high school with other towns around then? Um, so like at county high school? Yeah, I um, I did share high school with one other town. Um, some students from there came. It's called Sabatis. I live in the town of Lisbon, Lisbon Falls area. Okay. So Lisbon Falls and then Lisbon and then some students from Sabatis came in. And um, I, in fact, actually went to... Um, a uh, Vogue program, vocational program, um, where I went to the uh, kind of bigger town, the next city over, or next, it was designated as a city, Lewiston. Um, And I went there to get some um, early college credits done, um, actually in media, which was a lot of fun. Um, So I found myself going to um, a different high school um, twice a week to get some stuff done as well. So um, all pretty intertwined. And we were a classy school, so our sports were kind of down low, uh, but we did great. Yeah. Yeah. You still <laughs> In defense still of my home pride. team. Yes. <laughs> Go Greyhounds. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, that, uh, that, that has been one interesting thing. You guys are pretty big into, into sports down here, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you're quite proud of where you're from. You love it. And, I mean, it sounds like for good reason. For you know, one the the beauty that's just naturally there, yeah. And uh, and you talked about the architecture as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do do you find it's it's still kind of built like that? Like it's still kind of picturesque. I do, yeah. I do believe it's pretty picturesque. You have the cedar side housing, mm-hmm. uh, which is very unique to Maine, um, and then. It's got a very colonial feel, of course, because it was mainly established during the colonial times with the mm-hmm. pilgrims, and we're very close to Salem and all of that great stuff. And um, so we have a lot of farms, old church buildings with the cemeteries next to them, you know, yeah. and um, a lot of farmland, corn, cows, all hmm. that stuff, blueberry fields. So Blueberries, really? Yeah, that's our kind of other than lobster of course i feel like lobsters overpower as a staple but blueberries actually main blueberries are very famous really my favorite beverage actually is blueberry soda ever heard of it no oh. that's a blue that's a that's a main thing that is a very main thing that's Maine's main thing yes and actually i found and i'll have to do it for uh next monday night uh down on main street they have a store um that sells um, hard to find sodas. The entire walls are covered with different brands of root beer. And I found blueberry soda. And actually what my small town is known for is Moxie. Moxie okay. soda. And that's what our town is known for. And they have it here in Rexburg. Really? And it's produced in your hometown? Um, not or produced, it's... sponsored in. Okay. Um, I'm actually not sure where it's produced, but Coca-Cola just bought it out. So I guess you could say things are getting serious. But really? Yeah. We all might be drinking blueberry pop soon enough, oh, eh? Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Man, uh, that actually sounds really good. It's very good. I, uh, I became a fan of blueberries probably four years ago. Okay. And I got to say my life is better for it. Oh, I'm glad. So I, I, uh, I wonder, um, growing up out there, what did you do for fun? Oh. <sighs> 
question. As a child, um, there is a lot you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, the town has playgrounds, stuff like that. As a young adult, um, if you don't have a large friend group, not a lot to do, actually. Um, but I normally, and I'm glad I do this, I do a lot of stuff with my family. Yeah. Um, uh, we have one. We have a lot of beaches, but they're mostly rocky. We have a couple sandy beaches. Um, so in the summer, there's a lot more to do. Yeah. Um, and in the winter, there's a lot too, depending on where you live in the state. In the north, during the winter, it's the best place to be because you have the skiing and the hiking and the Acadia National Park. Oh, okay. And uh, and then in the summer, I'd say the south is the best part to be in because we have the beaches, the malls, all that fun stuff. Yeah. The uh, small amusement park, stuff like that. Um, so in the summer, uh, I find myself, it's called Old Orchard Beach, has a great pier, very beautiful. Um, go to the movies a lot, see movies. Um, it's great because Maine is actually a big tourist attraction for a town called Freeport. Uh, it's where, um, L.O. Bean is. And so a lot of people travel from all around to go there and it's only 30 minutes away from my house. And what is, what is L.O. Bean? So L.O. Bean, uh, do you know what Cabela's is? Yes. Okay, it's basically like the main Cabela's. Okay. But better. But better. Not biased. So it's a big deal. It is a very big deal. So what makes it better? Um, I think the genuine love of its owner, uh, Linda Bean. I've met her in person. She's very great. She cares a lot about her father's business. Yeah. Um, they home make everything. Their, their boots are a big staple. I don't know if you've seen the boots out here, the style of kind of the brown top and then the rubber bottoms. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Maybe but I could probably... If I point it out, you'd yes. um, I'll, I'll straight out say it. They're copying L.O. Bean. Really? We're the first. We're and the I first. can say that for a surety. Wow. <laughs> um, so their boots are a big staple. They have like a giant like 20-foot tall boot. So you could say they're a little proud of it. Hey, I mean, you got to be proud of what you're good at, right? Exactly. So they hand make their boots, uh, fishing gear, hunting gear, camping gear, everything. It's... I'll say the American dream kind of vibe going on. Really? From that outdoor aspect. And um, it's, again, a magical feeling about it, you know? Yeah. And I just really enjoy it. And so people come from all around to get um, equipment from there and to, to see it. Um, and then it's just Freeport envelops that main feel. It's right on the coast. You do have all that architecture set before, hmm. everything around it. And so I think it's a big draw for people. So it's a really pretty kind of touristy, um, but really sincere sounding yes. kind of place. Exactly. Uh, where where people take pride in, in their work. Yeah. That's awesome. And you obviously have inherited a little bit of that pride for me, which I, I think <laughs> I think that's awesome. I think people need to be proud of where they're from. So um, gr- growing up, uh, you you would find these different things to do in the winter. Did you go skiing then in the winter? I've only been skiing once in my life, and what had happened was my middle school we uh, do lotteries for free, okay. you know, and I I ended up winning one time, and we went to this place called Sugarloaf, so I got to go skiing there, which is pretty fun, and I've been wanting to go ever since I've gotten out here to the west, where the mountains are plenty. For yes. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I went skiing a lot. Um, yeah. I've never been snowboarding, but I've liked to for a while. Yeah. So what what draws you to it? I think just the thrill of it, the adrenaline of it. Yeah. Because a lot of people think that 
you have to go to an amusement park to get adrenaline now. I, I, I'll admit, I am an adrenaline junkie. Yeah? Yes, I am. Most people don't see that coming, but yeah, surprise. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. You're very, you're a very quiet, very sweet very person. Oh, when I get into it, I, I know how to have fun. Really? Well, I mean, I know we've we've had a lot oh, of yeah, fun in our sure. in our little group. Um, so okay, so you're a bit of an adrenaline uh, adrenaline junkie. <laughs> yes. So, what's the craziest thing you've done then? Ooh, craziest thing I've done. Skiing is definitely up there. I like going fast. Yeah. Fast and quick. That's definitely a draw for me. I'm one of those. I've always wanted to go skydiving. Really? But I find the biggest thrill is doing something you've been afraid of for so long. Yeah. Finally, like, the moment you take that step. So what are you afraid of? Jumping out of the airplane. Jumping out of the a plane. A little bit. But yeah. I, I want to do that, for sure. Um, I've always wanted to surf. That seems pretty fun. Yeah. Bungee jumping. I need to go to New Zealand, because that's the place I hear for adrenaline. Yeah, apparently. Or Dubai, yeah. you know. Or Dubai. All that fun stuff. Um, I've always wanted, this is going to sound so stupid, but I've always wanted to do street racing. Really? Really. <laughs> My father used to in a old vintage VW Bug. Really? Yeah, really. And mm. I'm sad he got rid of it because that's my dream car. That would have been awesome. But yeah, no, I, um, I just like fast things, thrilling things. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. That's cool. That's <laughs> awesome. So, okay. Okay, so your do you have a car now? Um, I don't. You I don't. have a Malibu that I share with my mother. Oh, okay, but it's got that's got a 150,000, but no, I do not have my own yeah. car. So, so what you need to do <laughs> is get yourself a nice bug and take to the take to wild the streets of Rexburg. <laughs> Rexburg, I know. Um, I will do. I know a couple of people who'd like to race me. Oh, boy. Man, that's a... They know I, who they are if they're listening. You better tell them to listen. I will. Um, that's their call to action, uh, is to get out street racing with Paige. <laughs> so, okay. So, why do, you, why do you think you like to go fast? Like, what, it, what is it? Because I know a lot of people have that sense that want i i love going fast uh you know but what is it that draws you to that i don't know a sense of rebellion i think is that what it is possibly what i think in part that's what gives it the thrill would you say you are a rebellious person i think i like to follow the rules but i have my faces yeah i think deep down i don't follow the rules Deep down. Deep down. Deep down. Does that sound rebellious? (laughs) Secretly, you're breaking the rules. I do a lot. Not a lot of people see me as a rule breaker. They see me as goody two-shoes, but I come out blazing sometimes, surprising them, so. Yeah? Yeah. Does that come from somewhere? If it doesn't, probably. I wouldn't say it from my immediate parents, but I'd say I inherited it from a couple of my grandparents. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mischievousness. Kind of, how were how were they mischievous? From what I've heard, their attitudes on things. Like I have a great grandfather named Asbury. I've never met him, but from what I've heard, he was a pretty mischievous, mischievous, yeah. mischievous, guy. mischievous. Yes. Um, my aunt is very much of a free spirit, so I gain a lot from her, which is from my grandmother mother's side. Yeah. Um, just very free spirit. I think I inherit that from my family, and I inherit it gladly. So. so it's it's more being a free spirit and less being a rebel. Yeah, a little 
bit of both, but more yeah. of a, I'm going to do what I want because I have every right to. And why do you think that? Why do you think you have every right to do whatever you want? <laughs> I mean, it sounds it fun. Me sound I like, like it. A I like it. You're, you're, <laughs> you're on here living on the edge. I think something I've believed for a long time, and I have a little bit of difficulty wording it because things change a lot, you mm-hmm. know, viewpoints change, but we're all here on this floating rock in space, as people say. Yeah. Um, people, we've all, we were all here from the beginning, you know, we've grown up as a human family. And the only reason we have rules is because people took power mm-hmm. from my favorite movie saying from the tip of a sword, you know, Knight's Tale. Knight's Tale, Fledger. I've never seen it. Look into it, it's a great movie. Yeah. So I recognize myself, obviously, as a citizen of the United States. Obviously, I have to follow some rules. I don't want to get a speeding ticket because I'm a poor college student, first of all. But I don't have a car, so I don't have to worry about that yet. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so watch out, we're expert PD. Oh, boy. <laughs> all the warnings. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just, I believe that we all are equal in a sense. And obviously, there are rules we have to follow. Yeah. But there is no harm in living freely in a sense of fun. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, being on the edge sometimes, they push the boundaries. Don't do anything, obviously, stupidly dangerous that you yeah. know you're going to get hurt. Yeah. But take chances. Yeah. You have every right to take chances and to be your best self. Yeah. So, so take a chance. Take a, take a risk. Put yourself out there. Um which I think is such an awesome perspective on life. And you were saying you get that a little from your aunt and a little from your grandfather, was it? A great-grandfather, great yeah. Great-grandfather. My mother's side of the family. Okay, so they're yeah. a little bit... Is your mom at all? I believe deep down she is. Deep she's down. been a great mother to me, and she's always been an advocate for the rules, you yeah. know. Yeah, But I, I know a couple things during her younger years that she did that. Yeah. Thrill seeking. Hey, you gotta have a good time sometimes. Oh yeah. Right. So okay. So, um, and what about your dad? Because you said you said he did street racing. Yes, right? my dad very much loves to do fun things. Yeah. I remember, um, twenty eleven. I was in D.C. and my brother. He wanted when he was growing up. He wanted to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. So we were going through the Smithsonian's. And my dad had just gotten out of a meeting that day, and he met us um, at the Aerospace Museum. And they had a flight simulator there, a jet fighter pilot simulator. And it was the real deal. I remember him and my brother climbing into that simulator. I remember watching it as it went into a 30-second long barrel roll. Really? Now, Dad got vertigo the next day, but that didn't stop him. (laughs) My dad never regretted it. Yeah. That I know of. But he loves doing fun things his entire life, I think. Now, I've only known him in my 20-year existence, obviously. But yeah. <laughs> from the stories my parents have told me, especially my mother, he was a bit of a thrill seeker, street racing, doing all the fun stuff. Now, he lived in northern Maine, so he had to find a lot of fun stuff to do. Yeah. Like we were talking about. And he came up with crab apple fights with oh, his crab brothers. Crab apples are so good. Which I really... I love I've crab apples. crab apples. And you have yet to have a crab apple fight, but something on the bucket list, You're I missing guess. out on two things. I am, I am, and I'm envious, but... One day. One day. One day. That's awesome. Yeah. So your your dad found these things to do. He did, yes. Uh, he did street racing, crab apple fights. One is a little 
less dangerous than the other. A little bit. Um, and that would be street racing. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Depends on where you aim the crab apple. <laughs> yes. Yeah, actually. That's pretty true. Um, so so you come from a, a fun-loving family. I do, yes. Um, and you guys you guys did some of this stuff growing, or, or found ways to have fun growing up? We definitely found ways to have fun. Uh, me and my brother, we'd always play outside. I remember in the winter, um, we have quite a short driveway I live in a, in a neighborhood, mm-hmm. but we do have great yard space. Um, so the plow guy would come around and plow up these big mounds of snow because Maine does tend to get a lot of snow yeah. in the northeast. Yeah, it's pretty humid out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And um, he would plow up these big mounds of snow from our driveway, and it would ice over, and it'd be pretty packed snow. So me and my brother, we would grab our shovels, and one one winter, we were both in elementary school, we were dead set on creating tunnels in these big, big mounds of snow. So we would stay outside for hours, despite how cold it was, and just dig and dig and dig. And we'd use our ears to try to figure out where each of us was at, because one of us would start at one end, and then the other at the other. Right. So yeah. we would listen to the pounding of the other to try to get to it, and not try to break through and hit them in the head or something, but... Huh. It was very fun. So that's in snowball fights, snowmen, yeah. summer, uh, walking path, going out, playing tennis a lot. We have oh, really? local tennis courts. Yeah, I love tennis. Um, going to the beach a lot. I remember one summer, because our winters were so long there, we went to the beach over 30 times in one summer. Really? Uh, and for some people, it's way normal to go to the beach, depending on how far you are. But that was a lot for us. But I'm glad we did. That was the best summer I've ever had. And then we'd go on neighborhood walks, um, berry picking. It's a big thing. Blueberries, strawberries, blueberries. raspberries. Blueberries. Do, okay. So blueberries in Maine. You said mm-hmm. you have blueberry fields. Yes. And what does a blueberry bush look like? I've never seen one. So I... <laughs> I probably seem so uneducated. <laughs> no, it's okay. So there are different types okay. of blueberries. So you have the blueberry bush that's kind of, that goes high above your head. Okay. Kind of bigger, fatter ones. And those produce big, round blueberries. You know, the big, fat ones that you see in the markets and yeah. the grocery stores. And then you have the staple main blueberry, which is, uh, it's, um, floor, I want to say ground length, floor length. It's... Uh, four bushes on the ground okay um and uh we have these things called blueberry breaks which is a tool we use so um this is like the end of a rake with a handle okay um you know the pronged rakes yeah um and you get down on your knees and you'd go and brush it through and drag it back at you and um it would easily take the blueberries off and um gather them up for you and then you'd hand pick through them later to get all the little leaves out um And they spread very easily. And basically what these blueberries look like is they are very small. Mm -hmm. Um, About, I'd say, half to a quarter size of a penny. Okay. Um, uh, Yeah, that's how I could describe the size. They are very tiny, um, but burst full of taste for sure. Really? Uh, Very good. And it's a very unique taste. It's very unique to me. I think that's what makes it a draw for people. Yeah. uh, Because it is only really grown in that area in the new england area um and my grandparents they have a camp up north 
uh, next to a lake, and we'd take the ATV out in blueberry fields in abundance. I mean, just wild, just wild blueberries that have spread. And um, companies found it and have actually started tending to it. And um, there are places where the locals can go and pick. And then you have the companies that come through and um, completely don't use pesticide. It's completely natural. Really? You do have the sprinklers around it, but completely natural. Uh, you do have to watch out for the bears, though, when you go to pick because they like the blueberries, too. Yeah. Of course. Well, of course. Um, but it's beautiful because uh, another thing that I love that's so beautiful, um, when you go and find a blueberry field, you can look out and it's like looking at water because it's all blue. Really? It's, it's that abundant? It's that that so many blueberries it's on a bush? so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> I want to go to I'm Maine. I'm transporting you. <laughs> yeah. Maine. Yeah. Thank you. You're thank welcome. <laughs> Man, that's You can totally so tell cool. I'm not homesick at all. <laughs> yeah. No. How, how has that been? It's been interesting. So this is my third semester year. It's my second right. time around. Yeah. I'm a lot more used to it. And um, last year, time of my life, because in Maine, like we were talking about, there's not a lot for a young adult to do. Okay. And I'm not the clubbing type person so not a part of that scene in maine at least i go to a lot of parties out here um the student life here is amazing i love the student body here and really good and you can just connect with everybody and they always have something going on here and there are so many people here and everyone from around here says oh there's nothing to do and i'm sitting here like are you kidding me there's so much to do yeah and um but i love it but um my first semester, about a month in after all the newness had worn off, and I'm, I'm still in a bit of culture shock, of course, because like, I'd never been out west before, never further than Palmyra, New York, my entire life until last September. So I came out in culture shock. I don't think I'll ever get used to it, and that's something thrilling to me. But um, about my second month in last year, I was very homesick, kind of okay. missed the homey feel. I missed my family because I'd never been away from my family. Of course. And I actually decided to come out here on my own. I moved out here on my own. I flew across the country on my own. Really? Um, and the reason I did that was because I didn't want to be the one that was left behind. I wanted to be the one leaving my family okay. behind. And I know that's very mean in a sense, but... No, I, I, I can see what you... It's almost you like a week-long, drawn-out goodbye. Yeah. And I didn't want my first step in college to be of a sad memory, per se. Yeah. But uh, I hit it off really well here, and I love it here. So it's become a second home to me. Yeah. Um, there's times when I miss the trees because it's very open here. I feel yes. very... I don't want to say vulnerable because I am a strong woman, but... Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's very open here. It makes me feel very, again, in a different sense, very small. Yeah. And obviously I have been told I've traded the sea, the ocean for the mountains, which I have. And they're Mm. a lot more distance because I'd never seen a mountain so big in my life as when I was landing in Salt Lake. I'd never seen a mountain that big before at mountains and still getting used to it. Wow. But there are the times I miss my trees. I miss the smell it's yeah. very dry here. It the is humidity is very dry here. Non-existent here, but it is very dry, and it's grown on me. I admit, really? the summer was a little bit harsh. I'm like, oh, it's so hot out, and the humidity—it's like you're drowning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but really made me happy to come back. Um, huh. 
but yeah, at home, I, I, I sometimes miss the trees, the smell, and the sounds of the ocean, and just having that availability to me there. Um, what I've found curious is people who have served missions in New England area who are from here say that they feel claustrophobic in New England because of all the trees. Yeah. So I didn't really see that until I went back for Christmas last year. I'm like, oh my gosh, everything is so close. You can't see a mile in front of you. And for here, you can see for miles and miles, you know. Yeah. But overall, yeah, I'm... Depends. It usually doesn't, I found, hit me homesickness till about the second month. Really? But by the time it comes, I can just tell myself, I'm going home in a couple weeks, for a couple weeks, to see my family for Christmas. Yeah. It makes it all great. Kind of gives me a little bit of sustenance, I guess. Yeah. To carry on, because I was telling my parents this, because I was having a conversation and it was totally heartfelt. They completely understood. So I don't think I'm some terrible daughter for saying this outright. But at the moment, and for a long while, I think there isn't anything for me in my home state. Hmm. Um, you can't really progress there unless you plan on staying there for your re- for the rest of your life. Yeah. And I don't necessarily plan on staying there. Like as I said before, I might retire there. It's always going to be home for yeah. sure. But there's nothing for me there right now. So out here, I have the opportunity to, pro- to progress and to become the best self I can be. And that's extremely important to me. And I enjoy doing that. And I'm happy I'm doing this because I not only want to make myself proud because I know I can do it, I want to make my family proud. Hmm. And so um, you're out here mm-hmm. in Rexburg, Idaho, <laughs> somewhere completely different from your home because... Yes. Idaho is landlocked. Yeah. Uh, oh, l- yeah. Like you're saying, it's a lot drier. Not as many trees, not even close to as many trees. The mountains are bigger. Um, and and you're out here looking to progress and to grow. In what ways are you as an individual looking to grow? It's hmm. a heavy one. Um, so... I'll start with this. Growing up, we all are asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? Because we're all kind of trained. And I don't know if it's different in Canada or not, but our point is to get through school, to gain as much as we can, pick a career and go for it. Mm -hmm. And do that for 40, 50 years of your life, retire and move on, you know. Move on as in die. Yeah. Yeah kick the bucket you know I didn't want to say it but there you go (laughs) um so growing up I'm like my parents were really like you should be a veterinarian veterinarian a vet because you love dogs and it's like I always said I don't have the stomach for that because I just love animals so much I wouldn't want to see any of them hurt so Mm -hmm. that obviously wasn't the career path for me and the more and more I grew up the more and more I realized I was a creative person Hmm. I always struggled with the math and science, but I was always good with English, so I had that going for me, of course. Yeah. Fourth grade, we had our writing time, and that's when I started writing stories. Um, and that's when I first realized that I wanted to become a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was dead set on that fourth, fifth, middle school, freshman year. Sophomore year came around. 
And that's the time where things are like, okay, SATs are coming, all these big tests, all these big decisions are right at your doorstep and you're going to need to make them soon. And you're going to need to know as a 16 year old, what you want to do for the rest of your life. Yeah. I didn't know what I wanted for dinner that night. So it's like, how can I make those decisions per se? So I began and I knew I loved to write. It was my passion. But I began to doubt myself. How am I going to be able to make a living off of writing? Mm-hmm. How am I? That's not going to happen. That's not possible. You know, you get all those. Your inner critic comes out. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to be able to do that. Pick something realistic. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go into the humanities. My thought process in that, I have no idea. Because um, I enjoyed history. So at first I'm like, I wanted to do something with the world because mm-hmm. i my biggest goal is to travel i want to travel on i've been doing pretty good so far rexburg idaho let's go you know i mean that's <laughs> making pretty progress. far from home <laughs> pretty far um i knew i wanted to do something with the world so i said if, at first let's do international studies mm-hmm. i'll find something eventually let's just go with that and then i said no Let's do something with history mm-hmm. in the world. So I said, okay, let's do humanities because I love art. I love everything, art and music and writing and just history. And that was a perfect combination. Um, so I decided to do humanities, and that's what I put in for my application for college. And I remember sitting there contemplating, like, do I really want to do that? Do I really want to do that? Like. Is that really what I love? But I put it in anyway and I did it. And um, last day, of, it's like a week before I graduate and I'm in my advocacy homeroom group. And my teacher, one of my teachers, um, goes around and asks, what do you want to be when you grow up? And to me, I'm like, that's a pretty funny question. We're there. Um, and everyone was going around uh, saying they wanted to be an exercise psychiatrist or a nurse or an engineer or a welder. And every time she's like, great, that is so great. I'm so happy for you. It came to me. And I said, I want to be a writer. Now, I love my advocacy teacher. Purest heart ever. And she wants the best for everyone. Mm-hmm. You can't make a living from doing that. How are you going to make a living doing that? How, how she said, and I quote, that's not going to pay the bills. And I just sat there so shocked um, because for the prior three years, um, I had still kept the talent up. I had still kept writing. Uh, it was a hobby, and I had planned on like doing a minor in it or something. Mm-hmm. And I had been accepted um, into this AVAC Young Writers Program at um, Bates College, which is an Ivy League in Lewiston, Maine, Hmm. where we were lectured by published authors, great, wonderful, intelligent authors, where we were taught the skills of just creative writing and poetry and nonfiction and all this stuff. And I enjoyed it. And I always felt the best when I was doing that. So being told that by a teacher, and again, pure intentions, Mm-hmm. But being told that by someone who's meant to encourage you yeah, really kind of woke something up in me. And it kind of just made me angry in a sense. Not at her, but the self-realization. Like, if this is what you want to do, you need to do it. 
but after that it kind of died down and I graduated and I was going on to BYU Idaho in humanities so I got there I took my first humanities class here Mm -hmm. last fall found out real quick not what I wanted to do really not what I wanted to do so I remember just needing some guidance so I decided to pray Mm -hmm. what do I need to do yeah what what can I do to be the best use to in my belief code heavenly father yeah Um, because I know that if I'm doing what he wants I'll be happy Mm -hmm. with uh, my personal beliefs so I prayed and I decided I've been given this talent of writing I've been given this love and passion and talent that this language come easily to me and I decided I would rather spend my life happy doing something I love than living a miserable life behind a desk typing in a computer when I could be meant for so much more. Yeah. And I'm not looking to be the next JK. I'm just looking to make a difference and do what I love in doing it. I want to help people. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm going to write what I feel needs to be heard, and I'm going to enjoy doing it. It's my passion. I feel I'm my best self when I'm writing. Hmm. Um, so I'm now an English major. Um, I presented on a national level my work last April. I currently work as a writer at a creator company down the road. Um, and yeah, I've noticed I've been receiving a lot of blessings and just signs that I'm on the right path now. Hmm. I'm really grateful I'm doing that. And along with writing, to becoming my best self, I want to do a lot of charity and service in my mm-hmm. life. That's really what I want to devote my life to. It's doing what I'm meant to do. It's charity suffer long, you know. Yeah. I want to do that. I want to travel and make a difference and help where help is needed in our country. You know, veterans need help, need our help. And people need homes in other countries. And um, I'm planning a trip to Mexico, Mexico currently to help children uh, learn English. Because that's a lifelong skill that I believe they are going to need, mm-hmm. um, especially in the world uh, where now we now find ourselves growing up in. Um, and I just really want to devote my life to the service of others in any way I possibly can, and also doing what I'm passionate about. So I think becoming the best self, to answer your question, is growing the amount of knowledge and experience. I guess, growing the experience I'm gaining to have the knowledge that I need to make a difference, to become my best self. And obviously, I don't believe in this lifetime I will ever achieve perfection. Obviously, that's impossible for everyone, I believe. But I believe this life, to become my best self, I need to gain as much experience, wisdom, and education I can, not only to help myself, but to help others along the way and bring them with me, I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really, really appreciate that, that, whole, uh, that whole thought um, of, you know, you, you really showed me that becoming your best self is really about yourself. It's not, um, and I mean, and by that I mean that, that it's about your best self. It's not about somebody else's best self. You need to be Paige. Mm. 
and you need to be who Paige can be to help the other people. And I love that you do it with such a focus on how you can help people. Uh, that's one thing that I've seen is a lot of people that I talk to, and it really shows how good of people that I'm surrounded <laughs> by. So many people just looking to help the other guy, you know? And, uh, and I, I appreciate you sharing that with me. So in, uh, in, in writing, um, in your writing, what sorts of things do you write and how, <laughs> how do you hope that those things benefit other people? So I write a lot of poetry and historical fiction. Um, I'll start with historical fiction. I enjoy writing historical fiction because um, with the mindset of being successful in the writing world or being successful in any aspect, we've always been told you need to do something new, you need to do something different Mm -hmm. or something that not a lot of people do. So uh, another aspect that I forgot to mention that I'm going into is family history, genealogy. So that's um, a certification I'm working on along with my English major. I'm going to be a genealogist which can help me help people be reunited with families, et cetera. Big thing, forgot to mention, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I am doing that, and I totally blanked on your question. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I was asking, what sorts of things do you write? Okay, there um, it is. And how do you hope that. it benefits people? There it is, thanks. Um, so with the family history background mm-hmm. that I'm trying to go into, Something I noticed not a lot of people doing is writing about their own ancestor stories. Yeah. So in using my family connections, whether I know them or not, or they've passed on, um, I can use their stories, make it known, have people gain experience from their experiences. Mm -hmm. Because just hearing about something, even if you didn't experience it firsthand, doesn't mean you didn't experience it. Hmm. Because you've heard of it you now have, in a sense, experienced it. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. It's like a second-hand experience. Second-hand experience where you now, in a way, have the knowledge of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I noticed, like, in historical fiction, people write about big events, or switching mm-hmm. big events around. But I'm kind of going at it from an aspect of family and mm-hmm. telling a story that no one knows about but can help them, in a way, from someone else's experience. Hmm. Maybe um, I'm working, uh, have some ideas, spoilers, nobody steal it, on a story right now of a pioneer ancestor. Um, Decided to leave her home and um, follow the prophet Brigham Young across the country on foot to the Valley of Salt Lake, where they didn't realize that was where they were going at the time. They were just going blindly following the person they believed in who had faith in them. Um, now, this woman left her entire family, was traveling across on her own. She cut her leg accidentally with a razor and died a couple days later, the day before they got to the valley of wow. Salt Lake. So I really believe that, for example, that person could really be a great example of per- perseverance, uh, desire, want, pride. So I think in writing these things, I could give experience to someone, to inspire someone to do something they're afraid to do, to go take that journey. And then from another aspect, I write poetry. And in that form, I I really talk about 
points of view from my heart, my mm-hmm. opinions, and not in a biased way, but in a way that maybe makes people think in a new way. Because I think a lot of people will put their opinions forward without being open to anything else. And I think that's something that our society struggles with a lot that I think a lot of people need to be more open to. Mm-hmm. It's personally being open with your beliefs. Because I think we're born with a, not born with, but we grow up with a set of beliefs, examples from others. And we, we're dead set in that. And we always, I think a lot of people struggle to open up their minds a lot to different possibilities. So in my writing, I like putting forth my opinions to maybe make others see, oh, hey, there's this too I should consider from what I've previously thought. And then me as a writer, I no exception, I like researching things to write about, mm-hmm. to change my view. Because I don't like writing just things from my opinions. I like writing things from other people's opinions, maybe even ones I don't share. But it still gives me that experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think hearing from you uh, about what you'd like to write it largely has a lot to do with other people, it seems like, and emotions from other people and emotions from yourself and that yeah. uh, that very human connection mm-hmm. between you, others, and the world, ancestors. Uh, and I think that's wonderful. And, and myself having an appreciation for the written word, uh, I, I really appreciate uh, that we have writers who, who do stuff like that because it, it definitely benefits us all um so going going forward uh in in your life because you've i mean you're you're doing your writing uh and and you're you're doing a lot of family history research which i think is fantastic i i love i love history and and uh like most people, I'd say I also love my family, um, and and you're a little bit of an adre- ad- <laughs> adrenaline junkie, yes. and uh, and you have a great love for the state of Maine. Um, so going forward into the future, what's your what's your biggest dream? One one big goal that that if you do that. My biggest goal. Biggest goal, biggest dream. It can be totally ridiculous. What's something you would absolutely (laughs) love to see within your lifetime? Oh, that is so hard. There are so many possibilities. I think, and I don't mean this to sound cliche by any means, but I think the biggest thing I want to see is the effect of changing someone's life for the better um i just want to see happiness Mm -hmm. brought to people who have been deprived of it i think that would be the most beautiful thing to witness is the happiness of gaining something deprived of in a sense Mm. or gaining something lost or something heard of until they get it to just there are so many things we can see mountains and oceans and ancient temples but 
I think the greatest thing we could see is the face of someone whose life has been changed. Hmm. I like that. I think that's <laughs> perfect. Um, yeah. I, I, one, one thing that I love about doing this podcast is that I get to see and share with others how interesting the normal people in our life are. Um, and that's not to downplay you by calling you a normal person in my life. That's, it's a compliment saying how incredible it is that everyone, you know, has these talents and these gifts and these things to offer people. Um, and, and that you're able to see that you have a gift and that you have something to offer the world. Uh, it gives me a lot of hope for you that you'll be able to offer that to them. And I'm sure that in many, many ways, you've already improved the lives of so many people around you. You've already blessed the lives of your family. You've already blessed the lives of your roommates, the friends that you've made, the people that, that you know. And, and I think as you continue to go forward with that, with that dream in mind, right? That goal of just seeing the look on somebody's face when you bless their life, when you help them, when you do them a service, continue to go forward with that uh, and being able to bring that to people, you'll continue to bless everyone, no matter on what scale you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we're about out of time. Um, we're going to do a prison break tonight. So, uh, so <laughs> we've got to roll out here. But thank you for coming on My Wax Museum. Thanks for sharing your life with me. Happy to. It's amazing. Every time I record, the podcast episode is bookended by five minutes of additional conversation, of unrecorded conversation, where I get to learn even more about my guest. Now, it's not recorded, so it's not shared, but you'd be amazed what I learn about somebody in that short time. You'd be amazed what you can learn about someone in such a short amount of time. So today, take five minutes out of your day to go and learn from someone else around you. They can be a friend, an acquaintance, a co-worker, a family member. Just ask them questions, learn from them, and come to appreciate and have a greater love for them in whatever capacity it is. Again, thank you for listening to My Wax Museum. I love producing these podcasts, and I love sharing it with you. Feedback, as always, can be sent to mywaxmuseum at gmail.com. And as always, you can listen to this podcast on whatever your favorite podcatcher is. Thanks again, and have a fantastic day.